It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. Port, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. Day 7, to improve culture, engage more. If there is one thing I have learned working with Karsten Tams, it is that one of the very top keys for a successful compliance program is employee engagement. Tams and I explored this topic in the popular podcast series, Design Thinking in Compliance. It also appears that engagement can lead to greater business resilience based upon the 2021 article in the Sloan Management Review entitled, The Top 10 Findings on Resilience and Engagement. After COVID-19, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and now the war in the Middle East has changed business forever, business resiliency is a key trait for any business, corporate function, and most importantly, a chief compliance officer or compliance professional. That last arena is where engagement is so critical. The author defined resilience as the capacity of an individual to withstand, bounce back from, and work through challenging circumstances or events. But it is also a reactive capacity describing how people will respond when the challenge arises. Conversely, engagement is seen as a proactive state of mind. The authors define the criteria by making such inquiries as how clear their expectations were, whether they got to use their strengths every day, whether they felt that they would be recognized for doing excellent work, and whether someone at work was encouraging them to grow. Yet the most interesting part is the dichotomy between reactive and proactive. It is a bit like the difference between prevention and detection in a compliance program. As clearly the former is preferred to stop illegal conduct or unethical conduct so that you do not have to thereafter detect it. Not surprisingly, trust is the number one factor in both engagement and resilience. Astonishingly, the author found employees who said they trust completely their leader were 14 times more likely to be fully engaged. Moreover, those employees who completely trusted their colleagues, team leaders, and senior leaders were 42 more times more likely to be highly resilient. The reason seems obvious as it is certainly easier to engage in our best work when we don't have to expend mental resources looking over our shoulders or protecting ourselves against dysfunctional workplace practices that erode trust like bullying or micromanaging. When it comes to building engagement and resilience, trust is everything. Teamwork is also a key factor. Although this is not something I've experienced in the past 12 years of working alone, The author found those who said they were on a team were 2.6 times more likely to be fully engaged and 2.7 times to be more likely to be highly resilient than those who did not identify themselves as team members. For millennia, humans have experienced psychological well-being only when they feel connected to and supported by a small group of people around them. When the pandemic hit, working from home was not new to me as I've been doing it since 2010. But even in the work from home, 
return to work or hybrid work area, most employees feel need to feel they are a part of a team. However, being or even feeling like you are part of a team is also a state of mind, not a state of place. I always feel like I'm engaged with my blog posts and article readers, my podcast listeners, and the greater compliance community literally every day. Based on that experience, I certainly agree with the author's statement that engagement and resilience are about who you work with, not where you're working. Moreover, he noted virtual workers were more engaged and more resilient than those who were physically simply in an office or shared workspace. In 2022, well into the pandemic, 20% of virtual workers were fully engaged and 18% were highly resilient. A stark contrast to the 11% of fully engaged and 9% of highly resistant office workers, office-based workers during the same period. How the work is done and with whom the worker uh, with whom people work are also important, but organizations can stop working about worrying about whether Virtual work is detrimental to teamwork. But even more teamwork, it is about having relationships with your co-workers. The author stated, relationships boost resilience. Women are not more resilient than men or vice versa. This data strongly suggests that it is harder to summon and sustain one's resilience when going through life alone. That's certainly my perspective. I can certainly attest that the unknown is more terrifying than change. The author found that employees who reported five or more changes at work are 13 times more likely to be highly resilient. This suggests that we humans fear the unknown more than we fear change. Company leaders shouldn't rush employees back to normalcy when so much of the danger inherent in the current normalcy remains unknown and indeed unknowable. Instead, leaders should tell their teams specifically what changes they are making to their work Why to increase the overall level of resilience? These findings suggest that every CCO and compliance professional must work to lessen or even dissolve the disconnect between senior leadership and frontline workers. It is your frontline business folks who will make or break your compliance program. Getting your senior management more engaged will begin to create and establish the trust that your employees will need to show resilience in the face of a major business dislocation, whether it is the pandemic or military invasion. Giving employees employees needed clarity and specificity from leaders, not sugar-coated enthusiasm, will help drive that trust. The author ended up by taking this concept a step further by saying leaders need to be seen by their employees, rather, leaders need to see their employees not as labor, but as messy, complex, emotional beings that they are, dealing with real-world human challenges just like they are. The more that leaders can infuse these findings in their organizations, policies, and practices, the more they are likely to flourish, both during the difficult times and beyond. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, the concepts from design thinking can improve your culture. Number two, A key factor of culture is engagement. And finally, number three, you can improve your culture by dissolving the disconnect between senior leadership and frontline workers. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to tell you about an exciting new tool that I have developed with Sam Silverstein, head of the Accountability Institute. It's called the Culture Audit. 
We're going to premiere this tool at a webinar on Tuesday, November 28th at noon. I've linked to the webinar in the show notes. In this webinar, you will learn how you can assess the current state of your corporate culture, how you can use the cultural assessment audit as a gap analysis, and how you can use the cultural assessment audit as a roadmap for remediation, and how this process will provide a documented auditable trail if a regulator ever comes knocking. I hope you'll join Sam Silverstein and myself on Tuesday, November 28th at noon central time where we premiere the new software tool, the Culture Audit. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.